It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. All right. I am so excited today. I have a great guest. He is so skilled on entrepreneurship. I'm going to tell you that he led a new category of health and wellness that led to eight figures. Yes, eight. That is so exciting. And he is a global leader in health wear. Yes, I said health wear, not health care, health wear, which is really exciting to talk about. He is the CEO and founder of New Fabrics. Welcome, Jordan Schindler. I love having you on my show. Thanks, Val. I'm super excited to be on and talk about entrepreneurship and growth. It should be fun. It's going to be a blast. Now, you know, I always ask the same question. What is one thing that you can tell the listeners that will help them get out of the revenue maze? Yeah, for me, I think it's it's all about showcasing perseverance, right? It's it's You got to put one foot in front of the other and you got to keep growing. I can't think about all the times that we've been stuck in a rut and because of work that I put in a year ago or two years ago, something broke loose or something came around and, and circled back as a potential opportunity. I, I love the analogy of you plant seeds and they grow underground for two or three years, looks like nothing's happening. And then on the third or fourth year, they spring up. And, and I think that's a, a great analogy to start off the conversation, right? It's like you water it, you water it, you water it, you don't see anything, right? You don't see that revenue. But year four, right? That's where it might all materialize and spring up. And I think that's so true in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, sometimes it just, it's hard to remember to have, to think that there's a light at the end of that tunnel and perseverance is, is huge because a lot of times people do, they give up way, way before. And you find out later that somebody else who didn't give up give up who did not give up ended up <laughs> yeah. gosh I washed my mouth and I don't have I don't know what to do with it today um anyways basically if you don't give up the the other person then will launch what your great thought was you know and and there are so many good examples from at least my my history and the founding of this company especially on the investor side right like got hundreds and hundreds of investors that have said no, right? But it only takes one or two just to say yes, to get to the next hurdle, to swim to the next buoy, to keep growing. I mean, I, there's been countless times where investors have said no. And then two or three years later, they say, hey, quite literally, you're still here. You're still around, right? Like I, I'd like to invest now. And it's honestly, the idea was the same. The traction, right? Made it grown, but it was really showcasing who I was as a leader and showcasing, hey, I'm going to see this through to the end. And that's yeah. really what made the difference for why people wrote a check or not. And there's been so many of those stories through capital raise, through product growth, through working with retailers, right? Hey, yeah. not this year, maybe next year, right? And then eventually that momentum all snowballs. And I'm a huge believer in managing momentum as a startup. It's, it's just so critical for, for growth. Yeah. And managing the momentum is it. So let's talk about that a little bit, really, right? Let's um, do it. Timing is like everything. You just mentioned that. So all of a sudden they come back. They're not ready to do it right now. 
but what are some tips that you could give for managing basically keeping on that path, but keeping the momentum going? Because sometimes that feels like the momentum is actually stalling, right? Because you're getting 500 no's and all of a sudden out of the blue, it's like Christmas and you get this yes, right? So tell us, give us some tips. I'll give you an example of, <laughs> of a bad job we did first, right? Okay. <laughs> not, not, not necessarily intentional, but so, I mean, we spent the last, the last decade building out this new technology and new product, super excited, went down to Bentonville, met with Walmart and they said, Hey, we're going to take your product. Super excited, build out inventory. And then when does the product go first into every store? March, 2020, right? At the, at the heart of pandemic after 10 years. Yeah. Um, literally in the words of our buyer, we could not have picked a worse time to launch a new product <laughs> in a new category. Um, but fortunately, right, it's, it's back to this being proactive, persevering, and like, there is no other choice, right? You got to just keep going and going and going. And you never know what that one little action will lead to something else. I always sort of ponder this to myself, but whether or not I want to send that extra email or that extra LinkedIn message or that extra phone call, which ultimately that's all it takes is one spark to come back around and keep the momentum going, right? It's, it's literally every connection I've ever made starts with an email or a phone call or a walking up to someone in a, in a networking event. And there's just, I mean, you can trace back every interaction. I mean, this, this interaction, right? Like it started with a conversation and started with an email. And that's what led to a podcast, which might lead to more conversations or which might spark something for a listener on their own startup or their business. And, and really that's, that's what it's all about is managing momentum, right? It's like, you just got to put one foot in front of the other. You got to keep growing and building that snowball. If you do one more thing than you did yesterday, right? I think call, call it a good day. And ultimately I think those, those outcomes will, will come as a result. I like that. I, uh, we talk about optimist guide to the universe, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like one more step, one more step, one step at a time. And I think in some situations, being able to monitor that, because sometimes, you know, I'm dealing a lot of times with sales teams, right? And yeah, yeah. they will say, boy, it's kicking my butt today. No, but I'm going nowhere. And then you have them trace back and look at their, what they actually accomplished. And they're like, oh, wait, maybe it was a little bit better than I thought it was, you know? And, and so I, I remember I had, um, uh, a sales rep one time that he was six Sigma and he, he always wanted to see his stats at the end of the day where a lot of reps don't mm -hmm. like seeing it because it's yeah. like, Oh, I may not have done something, to, you know, or whatever, instead of the other side. And he's like, no, I have to see that I climbed this hill and I conquered it. Right. <laughs> I have to see that I made 2,500 calls or I did this because that is, it's, it's the momentum, right? It, it's something that says, I did this. It may not have been the result I wanted today, but you're saying then out of the blue, <laughs> you get a good contract or out of the blue, you know, and you never know when it's, when it's going to result or when that outcome is going to happen. Right. You, you, you can't predict it, but to your point, right. You just, you just got to keep going and keep rolling. Are there other things that you've seen from a momentum standpoint that are important to sort of keep that buzz going, keep that awareness going through an organization? Any, any tips you've got that we can start implementing? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I, it, it's very interesting. It's one of the, one of the guests on the show said slow is fast. Mm -hmm. 
And for me as a very impatient person, (laughs) I always have to slow things down and really, really look at that and really kind of say, okay, just like you said, what did I accomplish? What happened? What was good? You know, and, and go from there. But it also goes down to some of the self-loathing behavior or um, limiting beliefs that a lot of people will have. And I find with entrepreneurs, they don't seem to have that. It's I'm very passionate about what I'm doing. Therefore, I will go up against 500 people telling me no to get the one yes. Right. <laughs> or or naive belief that you don't think <laughs> there's 500 people you have to go against. I think that's a little bit of it. For me, you you don't know what you don't know, which is ultimately a positive with the the ever optimistic entrepreneur that (laughs) is trying to to build something from the beginning. Yeah. And what we typically train to in um, is a bit of uncovering what people don't know. Right. So one, one rep the other day was telling me, oh my goodness, oh my goodness they went radio silent. And I said, okay, let's, let's pull up their, let's pull up the contacts information and let's see how many times have you contacted them? How many, how many times have you just called to see how they're doing? Don't try to sell them something. Just, did you check on them? Did you just, you know, cause you don't know what you don't know. So then it's, I've had several, I, I mentioned this, I think on another podcast, I have a long time ago, a client who out of the blue reached out to me in LinkedIn. And this was when I was a salesman way back when, right. And he went through this whole process of how he's been in the hospital and how he's all this kind of stuff and went radio silent for years. And you're like, you don't know what you don't know. We all make these stories in our minds. So I always ask reps to make a different story with a different ending in their mind. You know, maybe that person got caught up in a project and your mind is telling you all these amazing, they just don't want to hear me. They don't want to, they don't want to listen. They don't want what I'm selling. They don't want all these kinds of things. And then it's like, but what if they do? What if you, that one little nugget you did changed or rocked their world, but they weren't just ready for it right then? you know? And so that's, that's kind of the nugget. And that's kind of what you're saying, right? <laughs> What's the story behind it? Yeah. I, I really like that. There's, there's one little thing, right? Even I, I take away a lot in, in the books, right? You read a whole book and there's probably two or three things that you implement that you remember, but ultimately those are the things that have an action that can ultimately define and change the trajectory of a business. I think it's, it's, it's so important. Yeah, there's a coach and he just says 1%. And I'm trying to, because we're on the podcast. And of course, Atomic I Habits also, is, it talks about, right? Atomic yeah, Atomic Habits. habits. That 1%, 1% small improvement, right? It was a totally buy into. I think they use the example of the uh, the bike, the British bike team, right? It's like they made 1% improvements on less. That's it. That's the yeah. story. Yeah. 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 It's a fascinating story. And we've, we've tried to implement that in, into our business, right? Well, it doesn't seem like it's going to have an immediate impact today what are the things that can ultimately add up and have a lot of value? Yeah. Just 1%. I think sometimes we try to bite off so much. We want a 25% improvement. We want a, instead of that 1%. So no, I, I love that. Yeah. Let's talk about atomic habits. You've obviously read the book. So what, what, what have you done today that has gone to your 1%? 
put put me on the spot. I like it. It's it's funny. <laughs> I, I had I had never even heard of the book, and then I I just picked it up on a random trip on vacation somewhere. I was like, this is amazing. I don't know how how I had never heard of this book, but I th- I think it's 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 such a fascinating story because we're all hardwired to believe that like you got to make a big impact, right, to actually make a difference. And it's all about these small little things that you can do to really have a benefit. The ones that I really like are like designing your environment. I think about mm. this when I'm trying to get something done, like go to, go to the gym, right. Or respond to that email. Like if you set out your gym shoes, right. Like where you trip over them every day, like you're going to be triggered to then have to take an action. <laughs> it's, it's the same with work, right? Like if I'm trying to have an impact or take an action and my computer and my notebook are always sitting out right there, right. When I walk in, I'm going to do it right away. Versus if it's hidden in some dresser, I, I don't even think about it. So it's, it's conscious design on how we're working on our environment, right? Our homes, our offices, and that can ultimately have an impact on, on behavior and how we achieve what we want to achieve. So that, that's one of the big ones for me. Um, some of the other ones that I like is like, how do you stack behaviors? So one after the next, right? So all right, after every email I send, I'm going to do this, right? And then I'm going to go spend 30 minutes in critical thinking time, or then I'm going to go talk to one of our employees. And so being very conscious on what are the things that we want to achieve and then how do you actually go do that? So what I've actually done is I did a time tracking study where I mapped out my day and my week on how my time was being spent. And I contrasted it to what is the ideal versus how do I actually spend my time? And it was, it was pretty eye opening, right? There's, as you can imagine, right? There's a lot more things I was doing that I didn't really think were value add or want to be doing. And uh-huh. then, so I've tried to come back and be very intentional on here's what I should be doing. Here's not. And I think it's, it's giving myself permission to say no to certain things and to say yes to certain things. And of course, one of the things in the book is all that rewarding good behavior. So <laughs> as silly and cliche as this sounds, right? They actually use paper clips in the book, but I've, I've actually used little jars of dollar bills that of course I, I gave to myself. Right. But for some reason it makes a difference on like good behavior, right? You put in a dollar. Oh, I skipped my critical thinking time. You remove a dollar. And it's, it's actually had an impact because it's just that, that subtle psychology of like, oh, I don't, I don't really care about the dollar. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't like losing, I don't like losing to the, to the dollar or to the, to the action. And so uh-huh. it's, it's how do you really use psychology to work to your advantage? Yeah. I love it that you said intentional, conscientious, right. All of those things that lead to that change that you want, right. To the ultimate result or outcome. So that's amazing. I, a quick, funny joke about the dollar and the, you know, putting, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I trip over, I, I get up every morning and I work out and I have for many, many moons. I'm not even going to talk about how many moons, you know, and people, um, but, and I, I'm going to use your dollar analogy just for that alone. But the funny story is, um, my brother, his children were, and they're older now, so they'll laugh at this, but his children were constantly fighting. And anytime mm-hmm. that they end up, they were young, and this was a long time ago. Anytime they ended up punching one of the other kids, <laughs> right? Kids tend to do. Yeah. They yeah. had to put money in that jar. Yeah. And my my niece was only a couple of years older than my nephew, and they drove each other crazy. They were always doing that. And she went up to my brother and she says, here's my $5 for the jar. I'm going to go punch him. 
<laughs> that was it. She was paying for it. Maybe, maybe in that case, didn't create the right behavior incentive. No, I love that no. Though. And I'm just, it was just yeah. a funny story. But I totally 100% agree with your methodologies in, in doing what you're doing. So, uh, super, super good. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you really got, yeah, for me, the learning was like, you how to track it to know where you stand first and foremost, and then you can start implementing it, right? The reality in my mind was very different from the reality of what was actually happening. And until I knew where the gaps were, where I was over or under spending my time, I couldn't really address it, right? I could try to, but until you have concrete data. So I would encourage anyone that's listening, if they haven't already to do just sort of, however you do it, right? There's lots of time tracking study uh, worksheets online, but it's, it's pretty good to see, all right, even if you do it for 24 hours, right? Like, how did I spend my time? Is this really how I wanted to spend my time? Right. All we have is time yeah. at the end of the day. And so managing it is, is, is super critical. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, a lot of times they'll say, well, sales is not a numbers game. It isn't, but in order to get that 1% improvement from a group that quite often feels intuition is what causes the catalyst, you know, kind of thing yeah. to, to a sale. Um, it's very interesting to get baselines so that they can see, especially in young sales teams. And you run into that a lot with, um, with entrepreneurs, you know, that you're setting up these young, these sales teams that are not accustomed to either the environment or whatever. Right. So I'm not saying young in young being a team period together, right? So as they start to work together and figure things out, sometimes it's that baseline, but um, there's a book, Four Disciplines of Execution by Sean Covey. Um, so it's seven habits of highly successful people, yep. you know, <laughs> Stephen yep. R. Covey, that whole stuff. Time management was a big deal, right? But for disciplines of execution, you really do have to get that baseline that you're talking about, right? Because you can't go from X to Y by when if you don't know what from X is, right? So you are, and, and so trying to, to um, even with marketing or new product, managing what is going from a baseline, especially when you're creating a new product, right? A baseline of what is in the industry right now and how is that improving on whatever is going on in the industry, right? And, and then managing that even down to that minute detail can make all the difference in even just how you're gonna um, go to market with something, right? So X to Y by when with, um, with four disciplines of execution, you get that baseline, and sometimes people will say, well, I can't get a baseline. I don't know what it is. And it's like, okay, sometimes you even have to have a swag until you can yeah. figure out what it is. Right. And, um, and, and then monitoring it. So what's my wildly important goal for this week to keep myself on true North for my goal, you know, for my goal. And I think when you're saying like 1% improvement, that's, that's paramount for you to know your baseline. So start tracking it. Okay. Well then start tracking it so you can see what you're doing currently, whether you do that on a spreadsheet or whatever. I think that's what you're saying, right? It's somehow begin tracking it, get your baseline and then figure out your improvement. 
Yeah. And, and this is ties back into EOS, entrepreneurial operating system, right? And how companies operate and how we try to do this with our quarterly rocks or goals, right? On It has to be something that you can track, right? At the end of the quarter, if we look at this and we don't know how we did, right? Like not, not very valuable. I mean, and we, we've just started implementing this right last year. And so we had all shades of like, we were trying to do red or green, right? On did we do it or not? We had all shades of like magenta and orange and like neon blue. I'm like, 72.3% accomplished. I'm like, guys, come on, right? If you if you don't know how well you did in a quarter, it, then what's the point of setting the goal, right? And, yep. and so we're really trying to get better at that across the organization. It's hard, right? Like there's some departments like take R&D, right? Or science where it's like not a very binary thing, right? Nope. Yes, there's a project and it might take 18 months, but how do you break that up each quarter, right? But there has to be some percent of progress that you can measure or some defined endpoint of, Here's how well we did versus our expectations. If you hit it, great. What did we learn? If we didn't hit it, great. What did we learn? Right. It's it's all about improving across the organization and figuring out how we how we can do better. And I think having a baseline is the only way that you can really determine if you've improved or not. I I totally believe it. And when people start to track, then it goes to the whole momentum thing right? Because momentum starts to happen. It's like, oh my gosh, you almost become an adrenaline junkie, right? Because you're like, I want to track this. So then you've got to learn to kind of only track the most important things. But I want, you know, you want to be able to see that you got from here to there, right? So that's pretty cool. That's pretty We've been there too. We've had like one person wants to track 28 things this quarter, right? And one person <laughs> wants to track three, right? It's like, what are the key things that really matter across the organization, right? Like reality is probably three or five things is about the right amount to track per a quarter, w- way too much. And it's like, well, I didn't get to these. No, no, no kidding, right? Like there, there was way too many in the quarter. And so I think it's, it's also finding the right level of things. And then by default, that'll prioritize. All right, if there's 28 things, what are the five things that we better get done this quarter? Otherwise we got a problem. And so it does lead to prioritization. And to your point also then flows into momentum because you can at least track and see progress. You can see what's growing below the soil. Whereas before you sort of had no idea other than a bright orange box that meant nothing to you at the end of the quarter. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we've talked EOS. We've talked Stephen Covey's. We've talked rocks. We've talked atomic <laughs> habits. Yeah. We've talked about all sorts of things there. I, I love, I love kind of what, what you're doing in your organization, because that's so important. We, I, I was fortunate to be able to also learn great game of business with Jack Stack. Have you, have you studied that at all? I have it, not, but I've added to the list. Okay. <laughs> Well, um, I I was fortunate Uh, for a little while. I worked for some engineers, which, you know, engineers are very much about tracking anything, right? So we got to make sure. But um, I'll give a shout out to Dave Skolton because he was the consultant that brought it into the company. But it kind of blends a little bit of EOS, but makes everything a game. And Southwest Airline is one of their biggest um, use cases. But they use the financial statements mostly to make everything a game. So you have these, these kind of rocks, these games, you have to do mini sprints. So it's, it is basically rocks, you know, kind of it's, it's the whole, 
whole way to um, create a company culture with transparency, complete transparency. Everybody knows what the revenue line is. Everybody's got a number. And um, I remember how creative my favorite story out of that was, I call it nuns on the run, but back in Detroit, <laughs> there was all this picketing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in that story, um, they had to get some tractors out and I'm botching it probably a lot, but the gist of it, cause we're going to spend a lot of time on it. The gist of the story is literally the whole company knew there was going to be problems if they couldn't, it was back in the day where everybody was picketing steel and bringing steel in. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't even remember if it was the sixties or the seventies, but anyways, and they were, they needed to get orders out and they couldn't get orders out. So they got the whole company together because they were transparent with everything. And they said, okay, what are we going to do? And we're running into people talking about recessions right now. So you can recession proof yourself if you can play these sort of games to bring everybody together. Right. Yeah. And they decided to dress up as nuns and ride school and drive school buses with steel in it because nobody would stop a nun in a school bus. <laughs> that, that's amazing. I, I love it. <laughs> our, our organization is so much like that, where it's like everything's a competition and a game, right? And that's like part of the culture we've built. Like people love yeah. creating something from entrepreneurs that they want to win. And so yeah. I'll, I'm, I'm definitely going to add that to the uh, audible <laughs> listen list, right? On like, how do we turn this more into a game? And then, all right, and then your 28 rocks are probably going to become three because you want to win, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. That's well, and you about. do, you they create games within departments and stuff like that. So it's very fun, but it's all about continuous process improvement and making sure that the entire company is on board with everything. Um, So anyways, but Jordan, we want to hear, I mean, I want to hear more about healthware. (laughs) I want, this is such a cool thing. (laughs) Yeah. So we've, we've really uh, tried to define an entirely new category of products. Yeah. And so that that's really our foundation is how do you simplify health and wellness? And it's this idea that instead of having to take a pill or use a cream or a patch, what if you could just get dressed in the morning? That would and be so awesome. our core technology enables controlled delivery of vitamins, supplements, medications through your clothing. And that's effective through 15 plus wash cycles. So for example, it might be a topical analgesic. So think about a, a pain cream built into a t-shirt or a knee sleeve or a sock. It might be melatonin in a pillowcase to help you fall asleep at night. Or we just launched a line of maternity garments. So belly band, leggings with shea butter to combat stretch marks. And, and oh. so one of the, one of the <laughs> biggest challenges in modern medicine is patient compliance. We're all increasingly busy. We forget to take pills or use creams as directed right? It's, it's hard to change consumer behavior across anything that we do. But fortunately, everybody gets dressed every single morning and clothing contacts our skin all day, every day. And so that's really the foundation for this health or category where why can't you use clothing as a platform for getting healthier? And that's the foundation and that's the vision behind health and, and what we've created. I love it. I love it. Oh, I love it. Love it. Because I do. I mean, I swallow like 500 supplements every morning and, and I, and I digestive go, system issues, right. All, yeah. all of that, right. To get to your foot. Why not just apply something directly to the point of pain? Yeah. And then there's, uh, 
Oh yeah. I hate spraying like insect repellent. I hate it. Cannot stand the smell of it. And even though there's Avon skin so soft, it smells like, I don't even know what that smells like. It drives me nuts. It's sticky. It's messy, right? It's gooey. You have to reapply this stuff every three to four hours, whether it's insect or pain cream, right? And then a lot of times it washes off. It gets into your clothing, right? It, It smells. We've designed a platform where it's just it feels like clothing, right? It's, it's not sticky. It's not messy. You wouldn't know the difference between that and your normal t-shirt, but the benefit of you're actually now getting better, getting healthier. You know, you talked about adherence and here in healthcare adherence is readmittance. There is readmittance because of adherence. There is preventative care that I don't know if it was you, I was talking to, um, I was fortunate enough to be involved with um, with Gail Lindsay, who was dealing with Kaiser Permanente's mm-hmm. Thrive and the pro- population care management and Humana and all these guys are trying to do things with social determinants, um, just preventative maintenance, all of those things. And yeah, there is a cost savings to it, but on top of that, that's quality of life, right? But why do people not go in to see their, their doctor? They get nervous. They don't want to be told something they've got to change. They've got, you know, so the preventative maintenance portion of that for yourself is so important. So if there was ways that you could merge care journals, which is what Kaiser was calling them at the time, that was years ago, you know, clear back starting in 2000 four-ish, five-ish, six-ish, I don't even remember exactly, but that was dealing with a lot of the Medicare patients for sure. Um, There's just overwhelming stats that says if they could get them to adhere to what their plan is, then they would live a healthier, happier life, right? And your clothing would do that. (laughs) I mean, that's... I mean, that's exactly right. patient compliance is literally one of the biggest costs for insurance industries, right? Like I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example from, from my personal life. Unfortunately, right. Is my, my grandpa had, had Alzheimer's suffered from Alzheimer's for, for a number of years. Um, and he could never remember to take his medications. Right. Uh, but interestingly, he still put on a sock every single morning, right? It's, it's just built into our human behavior. You don't have to make a change. And if you can do that, right, then you're creating better patient outcomes. You're reducing costs, right? Like the doctor can tell the patient every single time they come to visit to use the cream or take the antibiotics every day, right? But second, the patient comes home, they're on their own, right? Yeah. And that's ad- additional costs, worse outcomes. And so it's, it's all about simplifying behavior. And I think that's the crux of a lot of these new technologies we're seeing, right? Take smartphone, right? It, it, there, there's all these other interesting categories that have been created based on simplified behavior for the consumer. And, and, and that's really what it's all about. Wow. I love that simplified behavior for the consumer. I think I'm going to write that one down. I'll listen to this again. I'll have to write it down later because I want to pay attention to it, but yeah, simplified behavior. I, I, I just love that because, um, that's kind of when you were talking about tripping over your shoes in the morning, right? Yep. I mean, adding those things, if it's something that you're already doing, then you're most likely 
to continue on with it. Right. It, it doesn't, it just simplifies your life. We, we were, I mean, that's really the crux of it. I can't, I don't even have anything else I can add to it. That is so cool. Yeah. And, and you think about a consumer behavior, take your eye, right? Like you twist your ankle, you're probably walking into a pharmacy. You're probably buying a, a brace or a sleeve and a tube of Vicy Hot or Biofreeze or, or pain cream, right? Mm-hmm. And it requires two products, two environmental impacts, right? You have to rebuy this thing every single month. Instead, right? One product, one behavior, one footprint, right? It's yep. just, it's easier, right? And it's, it's less messy less sticky and it's actually a better way to get medicine because you have that constant skin contact over the course of a 10-hour day so we have our own transdermal lab here at UNC Charlotte where we actually do comparison studies to leading topicals and pills and because you have that compression mixed with pain medicine it's actually delivering a more consistent benefit over a 24-hour period oh yeah you would oh wow I can just think of like a gazillion things to ask you. I could talk to you forever, Jordan. I really could just because I just, I see the, I see the implications of it. I was actually whining one time. I wasn't really whining. I was trying to train a sales rep in heavy equipment. And mm-hmm. I was trying to use the example of the fact that at my age, I have to put a de-wrinkler on my face. I have to put a, you know, a scrub and a this, and then there's like this lotion for crepey skin. And then there's this and then, you know, and you add, and I'm like, you have to wait for that to absorb. Then you add the next layer. Wouldn't it be really cool if there was just somebody who just like those medicine shops that will mix medicine, you know, like they go in and they, you say, you know what, I need crepey skin. I need, uh, no dark spots. I need this. And they just do the little mix and you can put one application on because I calculated that that saved me four minutes a day, four minutes a day, 365, you know? And, and so when you started saying, simplifying that, it, it just came to that whole calculation. Of course, I was just trying to explain to them, Look at some of the simple things that you are helping somebody with when you, when you do some of these things, but you're literally saving hours upon hours plus preventative care, plus just a better way of life, period. I love it. Your skin looks great, by the way. Oh, that's because <laughs> but... I've got this little like. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, so you, you can imagine, right? That's actually the, the backstory for how I got started, right? As I suffered from bad skin and learn about the link between your pillowcase and bad skin, right? And so as you sleep, dirt and oil builds up in your pores and went to the dermatologist and was recommended to wash my pillowcase two to three times a week, which at the time as a college age male was never going to (laughs) happen. Are you kidding? Once a month? (laughs) Yeah, we're we're a decade later. It's it's still not going to happen. But uh, that's what got me thinking about how do you get a benefit from a garment or fabric something that contacts your skin all day, every day. And you think about a pillowcase, right? Is while you're sleeping, you can get those, that medication or that skin firming agent, right? And then you just, you've saved that step entirely, right? Because it just, it happens while you sleep, sleep, sleep while you treat, right? I think there's this interesting applications there where you're ultimately saving time and making it easier on yourself. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a great story. And I bet you there's some fiber content too, that mixes with, 
you know, all the chemistry stuff from college, you know, mixes with certain things that also adds that helps you. Um, what's the right word? <sighs> Create the desired effect too. So you probably use certain fibers when you're dealing yep, with. So you can combine, right? A lot of people sleep on silk, right? Or bamboo. And so you can, you can marry that the best of known therapeutic ingredients and then the best of textile properties, right? And just merge the two things together. Our company sits at the intersection of PhD drug delivery scientists and textile veterans that have been in industry for 40, 50 years. Yeah. We're merging these two things squarely together. Oh, fun stuff, fun stuff. Now, now, Jordan, I, what uh -oh. do you do in your fun time? Because you're talking about continuous process improvement. You're talking about all this great stuff that entrepreneurs do. But I know you have fun. So what I know business is fun too. But yeah, this this is my my fun time. We get to chat and talk about podcasts. It's it's funny. So instead of our, our core values, we call it our core fibers. And oh. and that we think we're funnier than we are. And and that the <laughs> F is uh have fun. Right. Okay. So it's 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 literally all about like how do you enjoy going to work? We spend 50% of our day, right? Like with all these employees working. If we don't enjoy what we do or who we interact with, I think that's, that's a big problem. But of, of course, there has to be the right balance. So big, big believer in uh, getting outside the office, critical thinking time, right? Go, going to the gym, play tennis, love to play volleyball. Um, and then of course, all, all, all the normal things, going, going out to eat, watching movies, <laughs> but, but equally fun, right? Like going and walking in a, a retail store and seeing what new products are there, right? Yeah, we'll call it shopping, right? But it's it's more sort of this combination of seeing what else is in the market, thinking about new ideas. That that to me is is just very much this integration between work and play. It, it really all is all is the same, and it all is is fun to me. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. I, I like that a lot. And here's another book for you: Ed Catmull, um, Creativity Inc. Because like you it. just described some of the, he, he definitely takes that thinking time and takes it very seriously, like unplugging, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Ed Catmull, you know who he is, right? He's Pixar. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Fun book, fun read, fun. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have to prioritize all the, all the book recommendations <laughs> I, I've gotten here. I'm going to, I'm going to go down the list. No, these, these are awesome though. I, I'm always looking for the next audiobook and have a, a long commute to the office. So it's a perfect time to get in two hours of, of audiobook time a day. A two hours. Oh, oh that's. But that's, hey, no, no. But I, it was a lot, but then I've, I've come to appreciate it because I never have two hours of like during a day where I'm going to sit and read a book. It's so hard to yeah. find that time. So if I'm in a car, I'm like, well, might as well make this time productive. And so it really is way more learning time than I've ever had when I didn't have a commute. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it, that's where I get through so many books. I usually do the, um, cause I work out every morning for many, many moons. I've, I mentioned yeah. that and, um, I got, so music would put me to sleep way back when. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, what's the latest good book that is also on Kindle, but audible so that I can hit clip and go back to the Kindle version and make that note later. Oh, you know, there, there you go. Yeah. You need both of them. I haven't gotten that sophisticated yet. I'm only on the, uh, the audible version, but I, I, I like it. I think there's a lot of, a lot of good learning just out in the, the ether. Right. And if, if yeah. you're, if you're not learning, I think you're, you're missing out. Oh, totally missing out. So you mentioned tennis. I'm a fellow tennis player. Were you glad nice. that Djokovic just won? 
<laughs> or did you want the other guy to win? <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I had a strong opinion either way. <laughs> <laughs> Feels too political to answer that question. In this oh, point. okay. <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> Asked a political question. Okay. Yeah, sorry. there you go. No, I root for them all, but my favorite of all time, just because he was, I just think he was a good sport, even when he didn't win was Federer. I yeah. just, I just love Federer. So, um, Federer and Nadal also. Got, I like Nadal. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, that's so cool. So, all right. We've heard a lot about healthware, which, gosh, I'm going to have to go get myself some of it. Yeah, I, we can, we'll we can send you some. We'll, we'll send you some. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people get a hold of you? What's the favorite thing? We'll list it um, on the podcast page and everything as well. But just because a lot of people are listening to this, where, where can they get a hold of you and learn more? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is a fantastic tool that I love to use. I'm, I'm always active on LinkedIn, so just... LinkedIn slash Jordan Schindler. And then of course you can follow all our company pages just at, at new fabrics on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, but please feel free to share my contact info. If, if I can at all be helpful, obviously I've had a ton of support along the way, ton of good advice and mentors. So if there's anything I can do to help fellow entrepreneurs or, or people in the space or, or companies looking to, to differentiate, we are uh, always open to those conversations. Yeah, no, I, that's, that's fantastic. I, I, I call those people, my people in my challenge network. We just get on a call and we go, okay, where am I stalling here? Where am I doing, yeah. you know, what yeah, I yeah, do? exactly. what's going wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, Jordan. I, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It was just, just a blast. And um, I want to thank the, the guests for listening to this episode of the Revenue Maze and uh, just hope if they like it, share it, um, please comment about Jordan. What a wonderful person. I, it, it's been a great show. And um, yeah, just thanks again, Jordan. Oh, it's, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank, thanks for having me on. I've, I very much enjoyed the, the conversation and discussions and book recommendations and, and everything we, we covered along the way. Um, and, and, I, and I sincerely mean that if there's anyone listening that, that I can help out. It's a huge community of entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. And so anything that, that I can do to be helpful, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. Well, thanks again, everybody. My, my pleasure. Thanks, Holly. Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit revenuemaze.com. And never forget, you are why. 